Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Monday the 25th of September. I'm Tim Spears and on today's show... The spoils are shared in North London. I think it was clear they were quite happy to let Tottenham try and play and then try and feed off that. As I think most Spurs fans will tell you, it's not really been like this the last few years. A historic win for Newcastle. They had eight before tonight. They scored eight on Sunday evening. And Chelsea's crisis continues. They're not taking the chances they create and they're punished for the mistakes they make at the back. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. We've got so much to get through today, including a Premier League record win, the biggest results from across Europe and a continuing crisis at the world's biggest spenders. But we have to start in North London. A first time meeting across the divide of two immensely driven individuals. Whatever the weather, the streets are their own. To whom will the streets of North London belong? It was a humdinger in the capital which finished Arsenal 2, Spurs 2 with Son Heung-min twice hitting back for Ange Postacoglu's Spurs after the Gunners had taken the lead through a Christian Romero own goal and then a penalty from Bukayo Saka. Let's start with a red corner and welcome our Arsenal writer Art de Roche. What did you make of Arsenal here Art? Yeah from Arsenal's perspective I thought they started well and that might surprise people because Tottenham had more of the ball but I think it was clear they were quite happy to let Tottenham try and play and then they kind of try and feed off that with how they pressed. I think they were quite organised in the first 20 minutes, half an hour especially. And you could see there were moments where Tottenham were a bit taken aback, I think. But as the half grew, Tottenham grew in confidence. And again, coming out for the second half, things just got a bit easier for Spurs, I felt. So overall, it was quite became a sloppy performance, I felt, from Arsenal in some aspects. And... They just weren't clicking as well as they did say in, in midweek. Talk to me about Saka. I mean, he always he always comes good in these games. I know that the first one will be credited to Romero, but there he is popping up again. You know, where, where have they been without him today? You think? Mm, yeah, it's it's really an interesting one because that was the first time I remember Arsenal having space to attack in the first half from Zinchenko just winning the ball in midfield and then within two passes Saka has the ball and you see how scared the defenders are of him when he does have space because he's able to manipulate them with his body how he moves the little feints come inside and then penalty as well I thought he was a really confident Penalty. He usually goes for bottom corners, but for him to just clip it into the middle of the goal like that, 
but showed someone who's just supremely confident at the minute. Um, so yeah, without him, Arsenal, I'm sure would have struggled a lot more than they did. Thanks, Art. There'll be plenty more reaction on the Athletics Arsenal pod handbrake off. Our Spurs writer Charlie Eccleshare was also at the Emirates and joins us now. Charlie, for the uninitiated, this is Spurs? <laughs> yeah, well, this is Spurs under Ange. As I think most Spurs fans will tell you, it's not really been like this the last few years. But um, yeah, I think this, this season, this new team, it was a good introduction. I thought they were really good. I thought they were very brave. Yeah, and after about half an hour, they were a goal down. And James Madison gave that chance to Gabriel Jesus, uh, which he missed. But I think at that point, you're thinking, God, they are, they're getting caught out here. You know, they're trying to play out. They're trying to do the right things, but it's not really working. But they kept doing it. And um, yeah, they got their reward. And I think in the end, they, they fully deserved the point. I guess the story of the game was sort of three players, really, from a Spurs point of view. You had Romero contributing to both Arsenal goals and then Madison teeing up Son for both of theirs. I guess they'll be the ones that are, are, are remembered from this derby. Yeah, I think they're the, those are the sort of headlines. I mean, Romero, pretty unfortunate in both instances. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe the, the first one you say that was a little clumsy, but I think it's, a bit, it's also a bit unlucky. The handball, I think it is a penalty, but there's also not tons he can do in that position. Um, you know, I think... The, the fact that the ball lands at Ben White's feet six yards out plumb in front of goal is kind of the bigger issue there and then yeah Madison and Son linking up beautifully and for Madison as well the fact that it came just after he'd almost given away a goal he then gets an assist and then the way he dispossessed Jorginho was quite reminiscent of how he'd lost the ball in that Jesus chance so yeah great character from him to bounce back and, and Eve Basuma is another one who we should mention because I thought he was just so good in the middle of midfield and used that word brave and I think he typified that the way he got on the ball dropped the shoulder was just losing Arsenal players even like deep in stoppage time really impressive and really important I mean it was the first big test for Postacoglu in a lot of ways he's sort of his first derby first real big game but also the way that Arsenal pressed and harried them for that first half an hour was so intense and you know they were flagging but ultimately you know they came through that how did they do it and how impressed were you with how they grew into the game yeah I think a combo of Arsenal came flying at them and clearly wanted to test how good Spurs were at, at playing out from the back. And I think in the first half, in, in that first half hour, they they did expose them a little bit because the way Arsenal press is a massive step up on anything they faced this season. But I think a Arsenal then started to flag, and obviously they played in midweek, which Spurs didn't. But I also think Spurs just trusted that if they kept doing it, they would get sufficient reward from doing it. And that's how it played out because when they equalised for the first time, they'd earned that by. You know, they, they could have easily panicked and just been hoofing the ball and Arsenal would have loved that and be like, great, we will just have the ball here. But actually, from between uh, Jesus missing that chance and then uh, Son's first equaliser, Spurs dominated the ball, as they did throughout the first half. They had 60% possession, which is kind of amazing. So, yeah, I think it was that combo of Arsenal maybe fading a little bit in what they were trying to do pressing-wise and Spurs just continuing to do what they were doing and ultimately getting the reward and that's what it's all about the risk and reward under Postacoglu and yeah I think ultimately it paid off and you can hear more from Charlie and some idiot called Tim Spears on the Athletics dedicated Spurs podcast The View from the Lane which will be out later today you're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic the derby was the standout contest of the Premier League weekend, but the most noticeable result came at Bramall Lane, where Newcastle demolished hapless Sheffield United by eight goals to nil. Here's Jacob Whitehead to sum up an incredible afternoon for Eddie Howe's team. What a strange night for Newcastle United. Brilliant, beguiling, 
but something which wasn't expected. They've managed to double their goal tally for the season in one evening. They had eight before tonight. They scored eight on Sunday evening. It's a record away win. This is not something which Newcastle are used to. And what's crazy is the fact that it could have been more. They didn't score their first goal until midway through the first half. There could have been a penalty given on Anthony Gordon. Callum Wilson missed multiple chances in the first half. And this isn't an attack which has been playing brilliantly well. The midfield really struggled throughout the season so far. I mean, you could point to the fact that they've played five of the hardest teams into the league. This is their first one against probably an easier opponent. They had the Champions League midweek and yet they managed to gel. The front three was entirely rotated from that game against AC Milan and for the first time really since the opening day of the season we've really seen the fluidity which this team can have at their best. Yes, some of those came from Sheffield United mistakes but there's also just this brutality to the performance. Whether this will take them... What they're good at last year was beating teams who are worse with worse than them. And this is just showing that it's something which they can try and keep up this year. It's a run of games now which they can take points from after disappointing starts of the year. And the aim will be to just keep going, move up the league. We're now into the top half for the first time since the opening day and really hitting straps. Eight for Newcastle was one better than Bayern Munich managed as they walloped Bochum 7-0 at the weekend. Harry Kane scored a hat-trick and laid on two assists. Here's Harry Kane! Harry Kane in the Bundesliga. The goals come as regular as clockwork. That's seven goals in five league games now for the England captain. Kylian Mbappe went off injured for PSG, but that didn't stop them thrashing Marseille 4-0. Meanwhile, in Spain, Barcelona went top of La Liga with a 3-2 win over Celta Vigo. They were 2-0 down after 80 minutes, but João Cancelo completed a crazy comeback with a last-minute winner. Gavi plays that one in, Cancelo scores! And Barcelona complete the comeback, and it's the new signing, João Cancelo. Why are Barca top? Because Real Madrid lost their first game of the season 3-1 to City rivals Atletico. Dermot Corrigan was there for the Athletic and explains how big this result was for Atletico and how poor it was for Real. This feels like a huge win for, for Atletico. Probably the biggest win since they moved to the stadium five or six years ago here to the, the Metropolitano. The, the atmosphere inside amongst the Atletico fans through the last 10 minutes or so when it was clear that Atletico were going to win, they were super happy. Players went and did a lap of honour, which is an unusual one to do after a game early on in the season. But everybody was just so happy because it's been a good while since they've beaten Real Madrid in, a, in an important game. By my count, maybe back to 2016, maybe 20 games since they've had a really important win over over Real Madrid. Outplayed Madrid, you know, they, it's not just that they outbattled them, they outplayed them. It's always a bad result for Real Madrid when they lose to Atletico. They're the, the smaller neighbours from across the city, they never want to lose Atletico. And they were well beaten today, you know, Atletico scored early, were able to, to defend well. And Charlie just been in his press conference and he's, you know, he accepted it's my fault. Setup didn't work, our defensively weren't good enough. We didn't start the game well, we let Atletico get on top of us and then we couldn't get back into it. It's a tough one for Madrid to take there are reasons for it but uh, logical reasons aren't always accepted by Real Madrid right to the very top so it's going to be um, Madrid are going to need to bounce back from this one and Ancelotti is going to have to bounce back quickly there was also a shock result in Italy where Juventus partly thanks to a ridiculous own goal from Federico Gatti lost 4-2 at Sassuolo Inter remained top of Serie A with five wins from five and there was a big story in the Dutch Eredivisie where Ajax's derby at home to Feyenoord was abandoned after just 56 minutes. Ajax have made a terrible start to the season and are 14th in the table with just one win. With
With Feyenoord 3-0 up, the fans started lobbing fireworks onto the pitch and the game was duly called off. Ajax's director of football, Sven Mislintat, left the club last night. Now, they weren't quite as angry at Stamford Bridge, but... And now he's Watkins, really good challenge by Colwell, and Watkins has done it! His first Premier League goal of the season, and Chelsea a man down, now a goal down. Yes, that's the sound of booze after a Chelsea game, again, following a match in which they failed to score, again. This week they lost 1-0 to Aston Villa, which means Mauricio Pochettino's bottom half team are already 13 points behind the leaders Manchester City after, checks notes, six matches. Simon Johnson was at Stamford Bridge for us. Simon, this is Groundhog Day already, isn't it? Yeah, no, a very um, very underwhelming um, performance display again, but what sort of really rubs salt into the wounds is, is Jackson getting his fifth cheap yellow card of the season, so he's getting automatically one game ban and that's despite Mauricio Pochettino uh, warning him ahead of the weekend not to do get a cheap yellow card and and in a way I think it sort of sums up where Chelsea are at right now that Pochettino tries he might can sort of say to these guys right do this do that but if the players aren't doing what you're telling them then it must be very frustrating for him he did say that the key words though were they have to grow up and, and I think that that is a pretty fair summary of where his Chelsea team is at right now. I mean, there was a great piece on The Athletic by our tactics guru, Michael Cox, this week saying, you know, Chelsea's performances are pretty good. The numbers are good. They should be OK. But are you seeing progress made here, despite what are these, frankly, awful results? Not really, because the same, the same. It's like watching the same game. They, they they're not taking the chances they create, and they're punished for the mistakes they make at the back. Now, the manner of the goal they conceded came from a Chelsea attack when they're down to ten men. Thiago Silva gives the ball away. The centre back high, he's high up the pitch, and suddenly well, they've got the freedom of Stamford Bridge. But even then, Colwell blocks Watkins' shot. He now has a shot from a tighter angle. Really, the goalkeeper Robert Sanchez who. In fairness to him, made some some good saves, but should he be beaten from that angle? You sort of think Emilio Martinez at the other end would probably save that shot, but it, it just feels like at the moment, just like last season, what could go wrong is going wrong. I mean, it's early in the season, Simon, but this is Chelsea, so I think we can legitimately ask this question: How much pressure is on Pochettino here? I think there's pressure. Obviously, not pressure for his job. That'd be silly. I mean, even the Chelsea owners aren't going to sack a manager after just six league games. But he is in charge of a squad that costs a billion pounds, and they are closer to the relegation zone than the the Champions League positions, which is what he was hired to do. And already the gap is building between top four, top five, and where Chelsea are now. So it is very, very worrying for him. But on the plus side, he'd rather have this run of form now than at the end of the season. So he's still got 32 games to turn it around. But it just feels like they need to get a win somewhere, whether it's the ball ricocheting off a dodgy bit of turf. You know, some form of luck in front of goal and some form of luck in front of their own goal because it doesn't feel that at the moment they can win playing well, let alone win playing badly. And I think that's what separates this Chelsea team from the ones that used to win on a regular basis that always had a knack of winning even when they weren't at their best. Cheers Simon if you want to hear more about Chelsea's woes there's a podcast dedicated to exactly that on a twice weekly basis Straight out of Cobham will be out later today 
Right, that's all for today. Thank you for listening. I've been Tim Spears. Your producer was Mike Zimmerman and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. If you're new to the show, we'd love you to subscribe and come back for more and feel free to leave us a review if you can. I'll be back here tomorrow. See you in the morning. The Athletic.